This is the Financial Architects Podcast, Episode 1, with Exponential Curve and Buying a Car. Welcome to the Financial Architects Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jamie Langbein, with Mike Hartwig, and we're here today and every day to help you make sense of your financial world. Our goal? Help you be successful with the resources you have. With that being said, let me introduce you to my friend and co-host, Mike Hartwig. Mike, welcome. Hey, thanks, Jamie. It's nice to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you? Good. Yeah, it's a beautiful day here in central Iowa and, and all that. Hey, I, I wanted to, um, I knew we were going to be meeting here today, and I'm thinking about buying a car. That's so, exciting. It is. Well, do you know what you're going to buy? Well, I think we've got it narrowed down to two kind of crossover uh, cars, but I'm more concerned being in financial services. I'm really concerned about how we're going to pay for it. So uh, we think... Um, me, me and my wife, we think we're going to pay cash for it. And it makes me feel really uncomfortable. But how we're structuring the deal is really interesting. You know, interest rates are really low right now. Absolutely. And it's hard for me not to uh, take advantage of a 0% interest. All that being said, it got me thinking uh, about um, some, some different ways that people try to buy cars. And everybody needs a car strategy. So, oh, yeah, definitely. So what, what was this... Just by way of conversation, what was your very first car? My very first car was like a Chevy Chrysler green minivan. <laughs> what high school kid doesn't want oh, a minivan? Wow, a high schooler driving around in a yeah, great. That's yeah, really great. Uh, I don't think I'll make that same parenting yeah. choice in my life, well, but hey, yeah, that's my, okay. <laughs> well, my first car was a Pinto. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, that was great. And then my third car was an AMC Pacer. So, yeah, oh, wow. yeah, I really wish I had that car right now because they're kind of retro right now. Well, and they, they, cars just aren't, aren't made like that yeah. anymore. Yeah. So what's your dream car? Well. Or are you going to buy your dream car? No, I'm not going to buy the dream car. But that's a really great question. My dream car would probably be something along the Porsche line because my fifth car was a Porsche. And it was a great car until we started having kids. <laughs> and uh, and my son, when he was like five or six, ended up breaking a window, and it cost me like a thousand dollars to fix. And my wife looked at me and she said, "You know, this car is so in- incredibly impractical. You need to get rid of it." So I got rid of it. So kids make us do <laughs> the darndest things, <laughs> yeah, don't they? They do. They do. <laughs> so one of the things I was thinking about as we were trying to structure and pay for this, um, uh, l- let me just kind of lay that whole concept uh, aside. We'll come back to it at the end because it really got me thinking about what is my strategy, again, for buying a car. It got me thinking about, um, I was on a golf course one time talking with some other financial uh, planners. How'd and, you play? Uh, at that phase of my life, I probably did pretty well. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just but, thought. But, this guy, but this, guy, this guy had an interesting, he said, as we were standing on the first tee, he said to me, um, would you rather have $1,000 per hole or would you rather have $10 a hole that doubles with every hole? So we all kind of, the rest of us kind of sat there and we looked, well, we feel like it's a trick question. So Yeah, I do too. So, But everybody said, uh, we all said, right? three of us, or two of us said, uh, we'll, we'll take the, the, eight, uh, the 18,000. And the other guy said, I'll take the 10 that doubles every, every hole. So who ends up in the better place? After 18 holes and $10 a hole that doubles every single time, get this, 
you'd get $1,310,000. Oh, you were on the wrong end of that deal, That's weren't you? That's yeah, right. <laughs> but it got us thinking, and, he, he, and throughout that round, we got to talking about how that works. And, and really what he was, was kind of reflecting on was a thing called the exponential curve. And uh, believe it or not, it's going to come back and play into how we buy a car. Mm-hmm. But the simple concept of an exponential curve when it comes to money is, is money when it's invested in something that consistently produces, and by the way, that's a key, something that consistently produces something, it goes through three phases of, of growth. The first one is accumulation. So let's say that you've got, um, you've got some savings, you're starting to build it up, and you put it somewhere that... The consistent you put it into an asset that consistently spins off dividends or income or something like that. And by the way, there are only a handful of these assets that consistently do that and work. But generally speaking, you want to find an asset that consistently turns up. So you take some savings, you put it, you squirrel it away into something that consistently turns off. That first phase is what's called the accumulation phase because you've saved and you've accumulated and you put it into something that kind of spins off. And every time you take money from your accumulation and put it there, it all starts right there. Yeah, it always starts at the beginning. So that money will spin off money, right? Mm -hmm. That will spin off money. That will spin off money. That will spin off money. And along about, just like in 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 the golf illustration, so in hole number one, you get 10 bucks. Hole number two, you get 20, 40 80, 160, and it kind of goes through in that middle phase, once you accumulate it, it goes through that little accumulation phase, and then it moves kind of magically into the growth phase. And so by the whole eight, you're making, you're, you've, you've made 1,280, then by whole 10, you've got 5,120, and then by whole 12, you've got 20,480, then by hole 14, you've got 81,000, over 81,000. And then that crosses over into really the magical area, which we call the explosion, explosion phase. It just explodes. That money that begets money that begets money just starts to explode. So that by the time you get to hole 16, you've got $327,000. By hole 17, you've got 655000 And then by hole 18, you've got $1,310,000 and change. So you don't even care that you're a bad golfer. Yeah, right. At that point, <laughs> right, that's exactly right. Right. But that's the way money works when it's left to just spin off money and spin off money. And it, it impacts us all in dramatic ways. Now, whenever, I, whenever we teach this to our clients... And the power of the exponential curves, there's a couple of things that you've got to have in order to make this work. Um, first of all, you've got to understand the three phases and the importance of leaving things at, at where it is and just trying to make sure that the investments are right. And, and not, not feel like it's not going to work in the early phases yeah, and yeah. change and do something right, else because right. then we're just starting over. So as I think about this, as we kind of coach our clients through this concept, is, is we, we tell, you, tell them that there's basically four things you got to keep in mind when you try to get going on this. And number one, you got to do, you got to get started. You got to uh, embrace that accumulation phase. And, and so you have to put some base money together. 
Um, entrepreneurs understand that, that you've got to have some way of having something to start with. And so a lot of times people come and they say, well, I've got this little bit. A little bit of money begets a little bit of money. That begets a little bit of money. And But eventually over time, it will, it will grow and it will get more and more and more. So it's really if you've got more time, you can put... Less, less money. money in. If yeah. you've got less time, you got to put more money. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. But it begins there. You have to make and, yep. and tell yourself there's a dedication that we have to say we're going to do this. And this is this is a base principle. And I think is sadly in our world today, kind of contrary to what a lot of people are saying, is this, oh I've got I've got maybe ten thousand dollars. I'm going to put it in somewhere, and then I'm going to next thing you know I'm, I'm going to be this multimillionaire. It doesn't work that way. You've got to be consistent. There's a proverb that says, little by little, a house is built. And that carries with the idea that you've got to be committed to putting enough money to get through that accumulation phase. That, that is one of the key elements that's coming through here. So once you do that, and if you're committed to it, and, and you, you're, you're on to that, then the next thing that you've got to be committed to is you've got to find the right asset to put it in. And this is, this is a big deal. This is a big turning point because sometimes what happens is, is people will they'll just uh, find the latest mutual fund or they'll find their favorite uh, advisor or something like that. And they'll, they'll coach people through that. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I love that Forbes ma- magazine article where it, it, uh, it highlights uh, the front cover of it is, is a bunch of monkeys sitting there in suits and ties in front of their computer screen. Are you familiar with that one? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it really is, I, I feel like it's fitting for the recent history. Yeah, yeah. And, and they've replicated this time and time. But if you're not familiar with it, what it is, is they, they got some monkeys together and they literally had them throw darts at a dartboard. And then that's what they've invested their money in. And then they compared it with some of the best uh, money managers uh, out there. And they did just as well. So um, chasing and going after money and, 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 and following your latest guru, I, I, I get it. I think there's, but to me, it's better to find an asset that is considered uh, consistently spinning off dividends in a systematic way so that it can stay, keep the money on the exponential curve. It's whenever you have a downturn in the market that that exponential curve kind of it kind of blows up because what happens is, is you go up and then all of a sudden you go back down. And when it goes back down, the money quits producing money that produces money that produces money. And you need that for later on because that money is still producing later on in order to get to the exponential curve, the explosion phase in that exponential curve. So finding that right asset is really, really important. Then, then the third thing is, is you got to let it cook. And that's the hardest part for people because right. we are, we've been conditioned to to want instant gratification. So so this is the part where discipline's at a whole new yeah, level. Right, right. Especially when you see some of these market uh, prices or accounts getting bigger. And then that's always an interesting question. At what point do you start spending out of your base account? So one of the things we know is is that when you get into that magical period, and, it, and it's not an exact science, but somewhere around 12, 13, 14 years when money that is left to produce and dividend and all that, that is when it really starts. So typically what we like to coach couples or people and individuals, 
what we typically would like to say is just, let's see if we can get that money to that point and then we can start peeling it off and and I realize not everybody has that opportunity um, to, to do that or is in a position to do it but there's a strategy that you can go with to be able to have access to that money but that leads me to the last last phase so the, you got to let it cook let it get to the ex- explosion phase but then then the natural question is is well what if you need the money from it which gets us back to your car. Your car, right. So I've got, I've got an account that I'm, I'm trying to do this with. And I've, we've got an asset. It's producing on a consistent basis. We take the, 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 the uh, income from that. We throw it back into the asset. So it's, as it produces, it's spinning it off. And it goes back into that, that account. Now I'm about ready to buy a car. It hasn't met that explosion phase where it's just really going crazy. It's going good. It's in the growth phase. But now what do I do? I'll tell you how I used to buy a car. For my first car I bought, I, I worked at Lake County Public Library in the audiovisual department for $325 an hour. And I saved... You're eight, aging yourself eight, right Yeah, now. I know. And I paid $800 for uh, my Pinto. And I was so proud that I paid cash for it. Absolutely. And drove that Pinto. That's what mom and dad and grandma and grandpa told you to do. That's right. That's how Mm -hmm. we did it. And then somebody said, well, you're going to need another car because you're probably going to get rear-ended. If you didn't know this, Pintos, if they get rear-ended, they blew up. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, yeah. That was was what they were known for, which is one of the reasons why I got it so cheap. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Glad that somebody cared so, about your safety. So, uh, yeah, so so anyway, so somebody said you're going to have to... Uh, so I, I began the process all over again. I saved the money. But now think about what I was doing. I was putting money on my exponential curve. It got to year three or four, and then I pulled it right off again. And so it never got to even that second phase, that growth phase. Now, I often think what would have happened if I would have saved the money, left it in there... Let it grow to, and where would I be today with just the car strategy? Where would I be today if I would have been on that track? But then I wouldn't have a car, right? Right. Then somebody introduced me to this idea. What if you took that money and you, instead of taking it out, you left it in the asset that is spinning off money? That's the key. Remember, it's in the asset that's spinning off money. What happened if you leveraged that account? You didn't touch it, but you leveraged it. And I took a loan against it. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I take a three to four percent loan against it? Why? The because ex- it's still spending that money off. That's right. That's exactly right. And when I just when I got to thinking about that, it's like I'm I'm going out buying a cow, milk cow, and I'm I, I every time I need a new car, I'm killing that milk cow, so now I don't have any more income. So then I have to go out and save enough money to buy the cow so that you see how ridiculous it is. So it's like you take two steps forward to take eight steps back. That's right. And then maybe you get three steps forward, but you go eight back. Right. That's right. So now as in our with our personal finances, as Leanne and I are looking at um, how we how we're doing, what our car strategy is. We're constantly looking at that. It's just like, okay, so now what we're about ready to do, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I, I, like, I don't like debt, um, and, and I don't think anybody does. But when you can figure out the difference between debt and obligation, then that, it, it's mind-blowing. It just, it's just really mind-blowing. And so let's stop for a second and talk about that difference between debt and obligation because I think 
I think most people, you and I included, we've been here, is that those are one and the same. No, no, they're two radically different concepts. One of the things I thought we would do is, is uh, let's talk about that next uh, next time on our next podcast. Great, I would let's love that. Because there's, there's, I mean, that, that we're not going to do that in a 20-minute podcast. I mean, uh, uh, in today, anyway. But next week, uh, or next time we, we do this podcast, let's talk a little bit about the difference, difference between debt and obligations. There's a right way and a wrong way to handle debt. In fact, there's a difference of definition between debt and obligation. And I think a lot of times... Um, we, we overlook what those differences is. If you understand that, then it puts you in a place to really leverage your finances in a great way that really helps you in the long run. And I think in my case, and as I'm about ready to buy a new car, I think, I think that, that in my case, this is, this is going to be a good thing because I don't have to take money off my balance sheet. I leave it there, use other people's money, Sure, I have to pay a little bit, but it doesn't. It pales in comparison to the money that I'm making in a asset or a dividend-producing asset. Right. So by you taking, by leveraging that money, you're taking it and using it, but you're not removing it from the exponential curve. You are right. not right. blowing up your curve. Right. That's right. So um, anyway, it's interesting thinking and, and, and it's, it's interesting strategy and, and it's been fun to kind of look through some of the numbers here. So, and yeah. I th- it's when we're talking about, you know, all the advertisements we're seeing right now and, and interest rates are so low, you're still positioning yourself better yeah. by doing this because even if it's a 0% interest rate, you're still taking whatever that payment is yeah, that you're yeah. making monthly yeah. Yeah. and that can't be positioned right. somewhere else on your exponential curve yeah okay so one of the, one of the areas now I, we're talking about how to buy a car and um, even before I came here to financial architects one of the things we had a passion to do is, is to work in real estate and so one of the ways that we really helped our, our our own personal finances is by picking up a rental property, renting it. And how I bought our first rental property, it was for $35,000. I tell this out on the East Coast or West Coast. And, they and just, you get laughed out. Yeah, I do. They, yeah, you can, yeah, yeah. You can't even buy a one-bedroom studio apartment for that or rent it for a year for that. So, But um, but how we bought it is, is through that same concept. Is, is We had $35,000, but we didn't take it out. What we did is we leveraged it against the asset that was income producing. And so then as we get rent, we pay ourselves back. We pay it right back to that asset. So now that, and we ended up in that one year, we ended up in 2008 when the market was crashing, right? We ended up buying like 10 or 13 properties in one year, mainly without spending a whole lot of our own money. Uh, or without killing it. your exponential curves. Without care, because every time we leverage that not only did we leverage the uh the house but leverage the uh the money that we had we just took the rents paid it right back and then paid it right back and so we were basically paying ourselves back and we were gaining the interest on it saving ourselves the interest but again i go back to the 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 number one principle there's there's two major principles that i would hope the listeners would get out of this number one you've got to make a commitment to savings if you don't have the base base concept of savings and that usually comes consistency consistently and and a good saver nine times out of ten will be a good investor every single time so over the long haul absolutely so you have to make a commitment to savings and then the second thing is you have to find that right asset 
And one of the things that we specialize in is just looking for those assets for people that fit this parameter so that then they can leverage other things in your life. And I would just encourage the, the listeners here that if you're interested in this concept any further, give us a call. Uh, whoever, However you got onto this podcast, if it was sent to you in an email or you checked it out on our website, um, schedule a meeting with us. We'd love to sit down with you, kind of look at where you are, take a broad picture. We're not the typical um, financial planning place. We take a very holistic point of view. We're not just trying to build your bottom line. We do that. But we're more concerned about not only getting on top of the mountain, having having some resources that you can, can play with, but also how do you get down from the mountain? Do you know most people die from mountain climbing coming down from mountains than they do going up? It's one thing to acquire a mass amount of money. It's another thing to figure out how to spend it and where you're going to spend it. Well, and we can't be the uh, the monkeys on the cover of Forbes <laughs> going down the mountain. Right. Yeah, right. We, we can right. going up yep. the mountain, but it's going to be a That's whole right. different story coming down because yeah. right. those monkeys are going to be playing around and end up hurt. Yeah, that's right. And, and next time we get together, we'll uh, visit that uh, debt and obligation conversation yeah. um, that's more right. More thoroughly. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, it's just my heartbeat. I think there's a lot of people that just say no debt, no debt, no debt, no debt. Well, we've got financial celebrities yeah, yeah. harping that. Right. But let's, let's look at that a little bit deeper. I don't know one wealthy, and when I say wealthy, I mean, I mean, wealthy, you know, I mean, somebody that makes a lot of money that hasn't figured out how to use other people's money to get where they are. So when you know how to figure that out and when you do that and you do that with discipline, it's amazing where you can go. But the key to that is that you have to be disciplined and you have to know what you're doing and, and, and doing it in the right place. So on the one hand, I, I do agree with a lot of those celebrities because, because this concept isn't for everybody. It's dangerous. But on the other hand, when you get it right, it's, it's amazing where you can go. Well, and when you have the right coaches and, yeah, and hopefully, right. you know, we've sparked some interest. Yeah. Um, and, and made people curious, and but that doesn't mean that it's going to be for everyone. Yeah. You don't, uh, in your practice, you don't charge people to meet with you, do you? No, yeah. I do not. Yeah, we don't either. So, yeah. Well, if you're interested in meeting with us, uh, find a, uh, find our website, find a, a link where you can uh, schedule a meeting with us. We'd be glad to sit down with you and kind of explain the process that we go through, and we'd be very honored uh, to be able to teach you some of these concepts one-on-one. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Financial Architects Incorporated, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. OSJ, 12345 University Avenue, Suite 200, Clive, Iowa, 50325-515-457-1276. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC.
financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian. New York, New York, PIS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Financial Architects Incorporated is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PIS or Guardian. Pinpoint 2022-133034-EXP-224.